0: Welcome,
1: everybody, to episode 108 of the Greenlight Podcast. Uh, This will be a solo dolo. Ian is not here, so it's just me and uh, Mike Collins. Welcome to the uh, podcast, man. Um, Before we even jump in, uh, for people that don't know, Mike is... Mike, you got a lot of jobs, man. I mean, it goes on for a while. So we'll start with the director of youth programming at basketball city, which is a full-time job. And some, you're also an assistant coach at Stevens Institute of technology over in Jersey. Uh, I also saw that you're starting to do some photography. Um, Uh, so I don't know what you don't do, man, but, uh, you know, sleep, I don't know how often you sleep, but you do a lot.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I try to get my hands in everything I can. Um, yeah, I'm sleeping less and less and less. But yeah, I mean, the main focus around everything though, it's just it's just this basketball world, and I think everything starts and, and ends with that. Even even the photography and some of my hobbies and stuff like that. Somehow, it'll it'll always come back to uh, to hoops and and to fitness and health, which are you know sports medicine, which is kind of like my passion. Um, you know, over the over the course of the last uh, say decade or more now, almost two decades.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's jump in. I mean, you've been coaching um, in the D3 ranks for, I mean, going on 15 years, if I, if I read that correctly, Um, what's the biggest misconception around D3 hoops? And there may be Uh, multiple.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a few. One of the major ones is, is the, I would say the talent level is not as respected. I mean, I, I would go from you know, I, I've seen, obviously, there's been a ton of Division three players that have, have transferred from the Division one ranks, and that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, and, they're, and they're obviously wildly successful. But there are a number of kids who go from AAU to high school to Division three, and these guys are holding their own in, in pickups in the summertime and playing in summer leagues and stuff like that with Division one guys. So I think the talent is, uh, you know, widely disrespected. Um, I think it's also because, you know, basketball has become such a revenue-driven sport. Um, basketball has been, uh, you know, diluted in some respects or or tainted in some respects because of the revenue. And, you know, at Division three level, you don't get scholarships. And so when there's no money involved, right, um, then it's not respected. Um, but the quality of the game is, is amazing. Um, I've had plenty of players who, you know, I've seen and talked to plenty of players and through Basketball City who think they're college players. And like, oh, I could play Division three basketball. It's like, no, you can't. Like, like it's, it's widely obvious. And really quickly, they'll understand. And planning a pickup with some guys or being around some of those guys, it's like you're not even capable of it, you know. And, and that's because the talent level is pretty high.
1: Um, you've obviously been in it for a long time. I got to imagine that recruiting 15 years ago even though, like you said, it's not necessarily revenue-driven, there's not like an exchange of scholarship, um, recruiting must look different today than it did 15 years ago, even at the D3 level. If that is true, kind of a leading question there, but if that is true, what does look different?
0: Definitely recruiting looks different. Um, Competition is a, a lot fiercer with players. There are more options um schools that weren't once options even on the division three level as far as you know mm, competition level they weren't as good they used to be really good now they're not we're really good and so um we compete against you know a lot we're competing against the fact that we're a high academic school so we'd love to get kids who were trying to get into the ivy league schools trying to get into the NESCAC schools and they're really good players and Stevens is, is is on par with them as far as academics and what we offer um, after school, right? Post-career uh, statistics are amazing. And so there's a lot, man. There's a lot. I mean, the price tag's really high. Um, so it's, but it's, you know, it's, it's changed. It's some respects it's become easier. People do know us some more. And in some respects, you know, just the other day, Coach culturally at Stevens was a, uh, was talking about a guy, a parent walked up to him and was like, Hey, what's Stevens? You know, at uh, at zero gravity, and he's like, Oh, engineering. And he's like, Oh, my son wants biomedical engineering. I never heard of you guys, you know. They hear, but they hear of RIT, they hear of Virginia, you know, Virginia Tech or, you know, all these other you know, engineering schools, and um, you know, and, and that's uh, that's just the name of the game, you know. It's just it changes, it's different, it's good and bad, but it's always ever changing.
1: How much recruiting now are you doing through social media and or just, like, general communication? Like, are kids now reaching out to you? I mean, it used to just be, you know, kids would send an email to 4,000 coaches, like, hey, coach, I'm interested in your school. Like, are are they doing that now through Instagram and Twitter?
0: They are sending those same emails we're getting. Um, But, yeah, you know, Twitter, you know, Twitter, like, our our main, you know, I I take care of our social media at Stevens uh, for the basketball team and we get followed a decent amount from players. Our Twitter gets hit in our direct messages. Um, it's not as crazy as you would think, I think for the same reasons, because we're a small division three school. Um, but yeah, it's it's still different, but the emails, that just doesn't stop. It's every day, all day, the amount of emails, you know, the services, the different companies that are providing the services, the recruiting services for kids. Um, you know, and now obviously with the transfer portal being in the mix, even for schools like us and, and getting transfers, which was not the case just three years ago, um, you know, it's it's we have to kind of pay more attention to everything um, and, and, and see what's going on out there. Um, you know, so it's just it's just like everything else. There's just a lot more going on. It's yep. not as simple as it used to be, you know, with with social media and just technology and everything. It's just not as simple as it used to be. I want to get
1: fine. I want to get to the portal and NIL and the whole thing, but even before that, do you? I I do like the platforms, and I do think, and by platforms I mean the recruiting platforms, um, in terms of helping people get recruited, and I there are success <laughs> stories without a doubt. So there have been yeah. people that, you know, otherwise may not have ended up in school and they went on here and they got synced up with the coach and it worked. But by and large, do you think, do you think they're useful or is it just
0: a lot of spam? Some of it is spam. I think. Yeah. If you have the staff, right. If you have the staff, if you have the resources to sort through all this stuff, you can find some kids But I think I think now what's happening is it's just it is a lot of information and a lot of spam. And if, you know, if you're already getting a lot of emails to your, you know, to your school account as a coach and a lot's going on, especially in season, you do miss kids. And I I don't know what to do to solve that. You know, I don't know what what the issue. You know, I don't know what how to how to fix that because I I mean, you fix it, it's like yeah, you know, what are you going to have another event to bring those kids together? You're going to have another. There's no, you know, there's no way to fix it. I think just think that more kids are playing basketball, more kids have access to these um, services, more kids you know have their own phone, have their own computer, can create their own profiles, and and that's what's going to end up happening. You know, you just have to kind of sort through some of that stuff.
1: Yep. Um, all right. So let's, let's jump into the transfer portal and, and kind of in conjunction with that, like NIL and prep schools, right? So the transfer portal, NIL and prep schools Mm -hmm. are high school seniors to, from my perspective, they're getting the brunt of it, right? Like high school seniors have now become like the lowest priority for recruiting. Maybe, maybe just at the D one level. I don't know, but I want your opinion on that. Like, are they getting screwed here?
0: I don't know if they're getting screwed, right? I think the consistency of being, you know, out of school for four years and then getting recruited and just, you know, I think there's something to be said about that. I think coaches know that um, that is kind of a unicorn type of situation now, without guys just transferring from school, especially at the Division One level. I mean, kids are you know transferring to high school maybe twice, right? Two or three times sometimes, reclassing. You know, playing for five different AAU teams and you have to talk to six or seven people just to get a good look on who the kid is. Right. But if a kid plays one school, four years, you're talking to one coach, plays with the AAU team. Maybe play with two AAU teams. You're talking to two other guys. And, and one day you talk to three people and you got a really good view of who the kid is. Um, you watch a couple of videos and you're almost like done formulating a picture of the kid. And and then you have to, you know, meet him in person and talk to him, meet his family and go from there. Um, so I don't think they're getting screwed. I just think that sometimes, uh, you know, the transfer portal looks sexy. It's new and shiny thing and people are diving in there. But I think I pretty much saw a statistic recently that, Last year's transfer portal, only 35% of kids even got placed, you know, out of the 900 kids that were even in there. I mean, it's, it's insane the amount of kids that are going in and how many people are coming out of it. You know, yeah. you're going in and you're stuck in there and you're not yeah. finding a place. It's just not enough schools. Uh, and I think that's both on the men's and women's side. That's, that's an issue. Um, yeah. As far as, you know, placement. Um, but don't quote me on that stat, but I'm pretty sure I, I, I saw somewhere where it's, a a greater percentage are not being placed in schools for sure
1: and so so the remaining percentage are they just going back i mean are they even are they even invited back
0: right is that that's the issue are they invited back where are they going you know what schools are they at are they playing basketball like i it's it's wild i guess i i mean it's kind of like i write a note in my head now it's like. I'm going to go look that up. Like, I need to find out, like, what's, you know, because that statistic is there, just just like the other statistics for the NCAA, like how many kids are going from high school to college and how many kids are going from college to, you know, MBA and stuff. So, um, you know, they'll, uh, they'll have that somewhere, I'm sure, but I'm pretty sure a high, a high amount of kids are not, you know, are not being uh, placed in schools.
1: What do you – this is this – is, it's going to be a million reasons, but, like, what are you attributing – to the massive increase in transfers right like is it is it college coaches missing because a lot of the times it's like all right it's either i you know i went to uh liu and i averaged 30 and now i'm gonna go and play at syracuse or i went to syracuse didn't play one minute and now i got to go to liu is it college coaches missing is it just a fundamental lack of like any adversity, like you, kids, I mean, there's just no adversity anymore. Like the grass is always greener. We got to go do something else. Like, like what is it?
0: I think it's the grass is greener. I think it's a combination of like the grass is green on the other side. I think it's a combination of kids exercising their power at a lot younger of an age. Yep. Right. I think it it happened in the NBA with, uh, you know, when LeBron went to Miami I think that changed the CBA and it, and it exercised power that we hadn't seen before from players. And I think that's why a lot of people ended up disliking LeBron. But I think if you talk to players, it changed, it changed the course of their power and what they were able to do as individual companies. Yep. It really did. And I think a lot of people um, love him for that as much as the media may, you know, spin some of the situations he's been in. Um, and I think, this new group of kid, um, these, these new, this, yeah, this new group of, of, of young men and women, um, just have more power. They are given more options. I think with the advent of social media over the last decade, you know, there's been a lot of studies on, on how it's changed, um, you know, young people and stuff, but I think they're just, they're growing up faster and they're realizing that I don't have to be here, whether it's good or bad. I scored 30. I've outplayed my competition here. I'm out. Instead of I'm going to score 40 next year. I'm going to stay at LIU and be the leading division one scorer in the country and still make noise. They're going to go somewhere else. They're going to try to go, you know, maybe they'll go to Rutgers and, you know, and then, you know, maybe they'll score 15. (laughs) Because they're playing in the big 10, right. You know, something of that nature. So, um, I just think it's a combination of kids realizing that, you know, there is power. I think, um, you know, parents allowing those kids to exercise some of that power or almost like also not. There's a lack of understanding of the situation for parents. A lot of parents don't know how this works at all. Yep. Um, You know, so I think that that happens, too. Um, you know, and again, it, it also goes back to notoriety and revenue. You know, from Division Two on up. I mean, even you know, Division Three. Whether you know, coaching salaries and stuff like that, where it doesn't come to that. But budgets and coaching salaries are decided uh, by presidents who see success, possible success, past success, and, and budgets get increased, salaries get increased yeah. from there. But at the Division Two and Division One level, it's all revenue generating. There's more money in basketball than there ever has been. You know, it, do you it's just,
1: do you think that's a good thing? Right? Like I, I think, I think we started with no player movement. You were locked into long-term contracts, players played for a team, maybe two, like your whole career, right? And then the pendulum has now swung. I don't know if it's hit its max and when it'll come back down to the middle, but right. do you think like the the player at age 15 in New York City should be thinking about himself as a brand? Is that the right way to go? I don't know if it is. But what I do you think, think?
0: I think that every player should consider themselves a brand. It's what you do with that brand. Yeah. I think you should consider yourself a brand. I should consider myself a brand because we are. We are small companies in and of ourselves. Right. With you know, whether it be how we display ourselves on social media or not, not being there is a is a is a is a massive decision in and of itself. Right. Yeah. And that that is a direct reflection of your brand and who you are and people could make assumptions about you because of it. Um, but I think it's what you do with that brand, right? We, we've all come across brands that are doing the right thing and we all come across brands that aren't doing the right thing. And, and their bottom line is, is right there, you know, and, and how that bottom line is, is dealt with, you know, what kind of revenue are they bringing in? What, what are they spending their money on? and i mean we could go you know across the board whether right? it's the top of the top apple being the most valuable company in the world down to the nike's and the coca-cola and mcdonald's i mean i mean you know we could talk about each company and and, and those massive brands i mean i, I think it, but i but the, the conversation is who's who are who's leading those 15 year olds and how are we shaping those 15 year olds to get the most out of their brand in uh an optimal respectable um you know i would say yeah optimal and respectable way you know where you know they are dealing with adversity and they are managing um they are managing situations um you know and they're able to you know move forward with certain decisions that they're making
1: do you think Let's, let's jump into basketball city. So you're the, you know, youth basketball director there charge all the programming and training and all that stuff. You play a major role in the grassroots landscape in New York city. And you mentioned who's teaching the kids, right? So describe to us the current landscape of grassroots basketball in New York city.
0: Well, that's tough, man. I think, you know, the one thing, that I don't get into here at basketball city. And the one thing that I personally have been asked to do, but I won't do is start an AAU team. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't want to be involved right now. I have some interesting, I have some good ideas. You know, I have a big engine behind me. So starting an AAU team is very easy for me, a program. I could, I could get, if I said something, if I put out something tomorrow, I'd probably have three or four full teams in a month.
1: Hundred percent. Sure, I would. Hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and and I could go from there. And but you know, I am. It's tough because you have a lot of people that are making decisions and doing some things, and they they just they're not as educated as they need to be. You have a lot of coaches who think they're good coaches, and you know they haven't taken the child psychology course, (laughs) right? And how (laughs) and how they're dealing with young young kids. And what they're doing and how they're speaking to young kids and how that, how that you can't use basketball as a means of talking to kids and coaching kids anyway. Right. That's not a reason. Oh, they're, I'm coaching them. That's not coaching. No. Right. Um, sports psychology tells you that's not coaching because you're doing X to a kid. And by the time they get to me in college, they're fed up. They're tired already. And they're 18 years old. Um, you know, because the the vast majority of of the kid or the kids are not in that one percent. Yep. There's the one the percent can deal with it, move on to the next grade, the next level, high school to college to NBA. That's one percent, and the NBA ones are one of one percent. Yep. What?
1: So you met – there's no here. Here's always been my issue with AAU. In high school, there's a little bit more stipulations, but in AAU. You can just start, right? Anyone, and right. I'm not. I'm not saying it, that there aren't good dad or mom coaches. There definitely are, but right. it's really one of the last places in sports and or in any profession that there's nothing required. Uh, I mean, nothing. And so just that, I,
0: it's just a USA certification, but not uh, even all uh, the USA. time, right? Not even all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So again. I'm, I'm a bit of an idealist. So I get in trouble with these things sometimes because there is practicality in it. And, and again, back to like money, like, okay, who's going to, who's going to do my idea right now? But like, shouldn't there be some sort of governance, like whether it's the junior NBA or USA basketball or AAU? I mean, I can't even believe AAU is still even a real thing or I, I, they don't do anything like tr- the traditional amateur athletic union. So who, like, how can we do this and who is responsible for youth basketball and like, making it better.
0: Yeah. I think that there definitely needs to be governance. I think there needs to be certifications. I think there needs to be the same, you know, and I'm sure, you know, because you know, you, you do some, you do some work outside of basketball and, and I've done work outside of basketball, but in college athletics, the amount of, uh, training we do, mm-hmm. the amount of uh, videos we have to watch, whether it be the stuff, the most, some of the most important things, with title nine, and, um, you know, uh, you know, um, anything with gender roles and and, and things of that nature that we have to do, you know, every single year or even just, you know, stuff with the sports medicine team where we have to, you know, emergency action plans and stuff like that. I mean, I think that that stuff needs to trickle all the way down to the AAU level. And the same way that every state has their own teaching certifications and rules and regulations just to be a teacher to work in um, that state or city's Department of Education is some of the same stuff that they should do. And I think that, that like, the DOE should extend that. I, I've always thought that if you wanted to be a youth coach in New York City, that you should be an extension of the Department of Education. Does that ensure that you're going to be a good coach? No, because there are bad teachers. They are. And there are some, um, there are some amazing public school teachers and there are some bad public school teachers, just like there are amazing charter and private school teachers and some bad ones. And I went to a very prestigious prep school, but I, I went to all public school prior to that. Um, and I had some bad teachers in a prep school with sitting next to millionaires, kids, and I had some amazing teachers in, in public school that I, I wish I could find and contact. Cause I still remember some of the stuff they said and I'm, I'm 38 years old. And so, um, you know, I, I just think that the, the DOE needs, there needs to be an extension of it or, you know, I, it's tough to say the NCAA should get involved. I think they need to be less involved with certain things <laughs> yeah. Um, or there just needs to be another committee, you know, whether it be handed down from like the, you know, the federal or state level, there needs to be like a committee on sports and and they need to just take over and um, cause even, I mean, even some of these teams that are being run, it's like, I mean, there's no checks and balances of anything. There's no background checks, there's nothing. Nope. And that's just not for basketball. It's across the board, a lot of sports. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, and, you know, a, a lot of bad things are happening because of it. Uh, but it does, it has changed the nature, certainly has changed the nature of the game and, um, it has made it quite the competition quite fierce. Yep. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a good thing when you got parents of nine year olds yelling at each other, yelling at their nine year olds coach. And that the coach is so pressured that he's yelling at nine year olds. I'm just like all in one facility. I like I almost like don't come to the AAU stuff anymore. I know. You know, rent out the facility for the weekend and I'm not coming in. I'll stay home. Security's <laughs> here, we're good. You yep. know. And um you just get tired of that stuff after a while. Um, it's nice. It's great. You know, you see some amazing young kids who are just so talented. And I work. A lot, I work one on one with a lot of young kids, um, nine year olds, ten year olds. And I and I want to teach them the game. And I love teaching kids who've never played. Teaching kids who just like literally like love watching basketball and they've never played. They played. They never played on the team. They play on a middle school team. They're not good. And it's like, all right, let's 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 get to work. Let's turn you into a player. And go from there.
1: See, that's a. I mean, that's a perfect transition. I, I wanted to talk about how you train all levels, right? High school, middle school, new kids, pro players, college players. So, talk walk us through like your methodology and how you work players out individually. Like how you determine where they're at and what plan they're going to be on. Talk us through that.
0: Yeah, you know, um, my philosophy has changed over time. You know, I think it's because um, you know when i grew up being 6-5 i was plopped down under, down low as a as a five man a four man i wasn't really a shooter i think i shot one three in my whole college career whereas now if i play in basketball city league i might shoot ten threes in a game <laughs> wow and yeah and, and there's plenty of games where I, yeah, I shoot the ball pretty well you know my my the way i've even trained myself and and you know worked on my own game just in my spare time has completely changed And so I think the first thing, you know, I think about whether it's a young kid um, all the way up to a pro level G League NBA guys is just creating a whole player. So I kind of look at where they're not good at. The number one thing is I look at where they're not good at. Um, I try to find three things. And this is a little bit of stuff from from Drew Hamlin and, um, you know, just finding three different skill things that they need to work on, um, especially the older guys, the overseas guys, the pros, you know, I ain't going from there. Um, I am not teaching Kyrie ball handling, but I, I love to start with ball handling when it comes to things because I think that is the best way to develop touch. Um, I want everybody to be a good shooter, but you cannot be a good shooter without good touch. And um, a lot of people think, like, good touch, oh, he's a good shooter already. Is he going to be a good ball handler? No, but he has amazing touch. So I start with ball handling. Um, it's the biggest thing for me. Um, but I think for me, it's like I, want, I want players who work hard, who are in good shape, um, and who are complete players over the course of time. It's not going to be perfect. And I want guys who want to do the little things. So I love coaching overseas basketball. I think overseas mm-hmm. players are grinders. I think they have a unique ability to deal with um, adversity because the situations overseas are vastly different and they're not glamorous. Yeah. I got guys, you know, I got guys who I'm talking to today. Just today, I'm getting a guy's uh, general manager is bashing him in that country's newspaper, in that city's newspaper. And for no reason, and it is not warranted whatsoever. I got guys who, you know, who've kind of been blackballed. I've got guys who who, former G league overseas guys who've been blackballed for no reason. I've got guys all the way down to this typical stuff. You don't get paid on time. Yep. Um, you know, so, but then, you know, with that, it always, I always that stress there of hearing these stories and talking to these guys, I always like to go all the way back. You know, I'm kind of all over the place here, but I like to go all the way back and, and teach the kids because, you know, having that, um, I would say, you know, that balance of teaching a kid who just loves to have fun and being able to like play games, like play dribble tag with a kid yep, is it, it creates that balance of dealing with the stress of how basketball, when it's a job, yep. you know, when you're in college and things matter and there's stressful conversations and, you know, you have a therapy sessions with guys and, um, you know, just those conversations and training and conversations and training and practice over and over again. You get to go, you know, work with a 10 year old and and just hang out for like an hour and and teach them some stuff that they're going to be able to kind of hold on to um, for quite a while if they if they stay with the game.
1: Yeah, it puts it all in perspective a little bit for sure. Right. Um, Yeah. So you mentioned Drew Hanlon. Um, I, I think he's probably probably the the i mean i hate even saying this but like he's probably the most successful trainer of all time very hard yeah. to like gauge and i'm like how do you really ma- i don't know but like he's probably the most right. so there's a ton of i don't know if you get involved in this but there's a ton of sometimes serious sometimes funny like trainer beef <laughs> and hanlon has gotten into some of it yeah uh, which i've heard I, some
0: stuff here and yeah. there yeah
1: and I, I just find it hysterical, but like, what is your take on this? That first of all, this is a brand new lane in basketball. The yes, trainer, my trainer was my dad, my whole right. life, you right. know, like exactly. come rebound, please. And I had to beg him like, come on, man, please. Like, I don't want to rebound myself or my brother. Right. Like that was my trainer. So right. it's a completely new lane. I mean, nowadays, like, I mean, you know, there's like nine-year-olds with certified trainers. trainers
0: yeah yeah so like sure. yeah.
1: what's your what's your take first on like just kind of so, the rise of the trainer
0: you know i think this the success of some of these trainers is you know like drew drew Hanlon's stuff i i've i've actually watched him extensively and listened to some of his stuff and um gone online and listened to some of the zoom stuff he did over over the pandemic and you know he did that academy model where he's got the kids and he's got kids that are, you're paying per month and so it became a very lucrative business for him. But then he, he did all the studying and he's teaching kids the right way based on, you know, stuff, stuff that's worked for him with Bradley Beal and some of his older NBA players that are solidified superstars. Um, I think everybody has their own way to do it. I don't think there is one way. Yes, we all see stuff that is new and seemingly ridiculous. Right. Um, some of these guys are teaching footwork and doing stuff that is very out of the norm. Um, but they've been validated and they continue to be validated. Um, you know, as of, uh, you know, you know, as of late, you know, guys are being validated and, and, um, you know, high level players are, are validating these guys. And, you know, and that, that trickles down to, all right, well, I'm, I'm a kid and I want to hire this guy. Um, I try to stay behind the scenes as a trainer, my social media and stuff like that. I'm not one. I, I, if you look at my social media, I just started having a videographer come film a little bit during the pandemic, and I'm talking July 2020. It is April 2022. Before that, I wasn't doing that because I'm a big guy on one. I'm not giving out free scout reports. That's not for that's not for the world to see. I'm not a I'm not big on that too. I come from the college world, and when we go to practice, your phone's in the locker room. My phone is on, my phone is over by the bleachers. I'm not even, if an emergency happens, that's what I have a watch for. I look down at my Apple watch to see it's not an emergency click and I'm on to the next drill. So in the training world, I don't really care what's going on, you know, social media wise, but you know, like I said, I mean, social media has changed. You know, some of these guys are putting out content and putting out content that you can actually learn from. Um, you know, where kids, even if they can't afford, you know, these trainers and stuff like that, they're still learning um, some of this stuff. And I think for me, I do this stuff for free. So, I mean, I, I love teaching basketball. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty of people I work with that don't get charged, and it's fine. You know, I, I, I'm sure I could create a system and, and do a ton of things and make it way more lucrative for myself. Um, but it's really not about that right now. I'm doing well, so I'm all right. Um, but yeah, I don't get into the trainer beast. I try to stay away from it. You know, I, you know, I, you know, I like some of the guys, um, that I see. And, and there's some good, there's some good skills guys who work for NBA teams.
1: Yeah. And those
0: yeah. are the guys. Yeah. Those are the guys that are, you know, obviously doing some big work They're at the top of the top, you know, you know, they're working on players every day um and then some of those some of the skills guys in the nba they're just rebounders because everybody's got their own guy in the team so i know it's, it's, it's a weird world man you know some of those guys that just you know like they got their own guys in the team so they're just there helping guys out and then once the summer comes they're off and they're, and they're working with their individual guys and, you know yep. got guys like uh Damian Lillard, who's he's a quiet, silent assassin. He's not yep. putting out a bunch of videos of him playing pickup or, you know, him working out or anything like that. You got guys like Giannis, who don't they don't he doesn't want to work out with anybody. Nah. He don't want to work out with a soul. Like he's not he's not going to your pickup. He's nah. not showing up at at Lifetime. He's not showing up at UCLA. He's not going down to Miami to play pickup. Like you see, some of these guys are just you know they do their thing. So I think to each their own. I think when it shakes out, at the end of the day, no matter who you have with you in the gym, dad, trainer, little brother, mom, little sister, it's the work. Yep. It's the work. Because not. there's no amount of systems and trainings and cones. There's none of it if you don't do the work. Yep. And then it then then luck. Yeah. Then yeah. genetics. It's like then genetics, then luck. I mean, it's all <laughs> it all has to work out for you, right? It all has to work. And, and and then, you know, and then it's it's timing, right? The game has changed so much. Some of these guys have been working, they're big men, and it's like, well, can you shoot? Yeah. We got some big men who just said that they're staying in, in, in college basketball longer. One, they're not ready for the league. They'd be second-round picks. Two, NIL. They're making yep. more money now than they would next year if they try to go play – 100%. Second second round, G League or overseas contract. 100%. You know, so this, a couple years ago, these guys would have been in the league. They, there's no NIL. They got to get out. They got to go make some money. doesn't matter no. where they're at.
1: There, was, there um, was a lot of people screaming from the rooftops, NIL is going to ruin college basketball. If you're a Carolina basketball fan, you just got your starting five back. You just right? got your starting five back. Now, I'm not saying it's, like, you know, like Leaky black, like he wasn't really projected, whatever. I get it. Everyone right, has right, their right, own right. situation, but – They all Armando would have gotten drafted. Caleb Love probably would have gotten drafted, or at least made the G League. And they're saying, you know what? Just to your point, I can make money coming back. We're going to have a good team. Like that's good for college basketball. That's what everyone's been wanting.
0: Right, and NIL deals is it is it's always was said these guys are going to be at their most popular right now.
1: Hundred percent. They're
0: they're playing the most minutes they may play in their careers, right? Because now we're going to talk about the top division one schools, let's just talk about, you know, all the division one schools that made the tournament. There's still a lot of those guys are going to make the NBA and, and not be in the rotation. Yep. They're going to make a lot of money in the league and, you know, mm-hmm. they may play 10 years in the league and they may come off the bench for seven of them. Yep. And there aren't many superstars, you know, like you, you count the amount of years you go by, every draft and then go back and how many superstars were in this draft? How many superstars were in this draft? Guys who came in rookie year started and still starting. You know, and yep. um and so, you know, NIL is the is, is 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 the time is now. You know, these kids are getting cars and shoe deals and yeah. I mean local local stuff, national companies. I mean, it's ridiculous. Basketball, football, gymnastics, any I, I mean every sport certainly basketball
1: (laughs) yeah no doubt um all right we'll get you out of here on this um kind of goes hand in hand but what are your thoughts on overtime elite and let's say you're you're a top 50 kid you know what are you doing are you going to a blue blood are you going overseas are you going to overtime elite like what would you do
0: i think uh today if i'm top 50 i'm going blue blood Reason being is because I could get an NIL deal. Yep. Uh, I can go to college and play, uh, have that engine behind me. Now, I respect Overtime Elite, man. That is a, an amazing thing they got going on. And it is it is working. It's very obvious that it's working. Um, and they have come quite a long, way. A long I really way. like what they're. Yeah, I really love what they've been doing over the last, I mean, for years now. But for me personally, I would, I would love to have the backing of a Blue Bud. You can't go wrong with the backing of Kentucky. You can't go wrong no. with the backing of, a, of Duke and just having those, that NIL deal. But also what comes with that is like, you know, I'm a sports science guy. So you get, now you got the weight room. Now you got strength coaches. Now you got, you know, nutritionists. Now they're, they're helping you out with injuries and protocols. And I mean, everything you know, some of these schools that have amazing basketball programs, their football programs are amazing. So they got some, they got some, some of the best sports science and training facilities. It's, it rivals pro teams. 100%. It rivals, it rivals NBA teams. It rivals NFL teams. And like to where you're looking at an NFL team, like, yo, you got to step it up. You got to build a new facility. You got to look like
1: Alabama. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because, because Texas tech just spent well into nine figures and these guys, and they're, and they're, and they have another nine in case this is not good enough in the decade. They have another nine waiting, sitting there because they're going to make money and they have boosters and so on and so forth. So I would love, I would have loved to now have that, just have that training, that overall encompassing training. And not that over time, Elite doesn't, doesn't, doesn't delegate and hire out for that stuff, but just having that all one space, um, you know, and just, you know, the classroom that is still, you know, the, the ability to be a little immature and have fun and party and, and some of that stuff too. Just, just having that normalized experience. Yeah. And even if it's just one year, um, you know, and then it's there's something to be said about learning from some of these coaches, man. Yeah. And I get it. Some people in the media, some people on the outside looking in think that like um, Calipari and coach K and I mean, they're not teaching things. They got a, a whole crew of assistants. You're learning basketball at a really high level. And, you know, and yes, yeah, some of this stuff is very NBA driven offenses and stuff like that, but you're still learning. You're in high pressure situations, situations that matter. You have fans that care about what you're doing day in and day out. That's, that's the Where big
1: thing, high, man. Like right. everything you mentioned, a thousand percent, but then also like March Madness. And you right. got millions of people that millions are millions
0: of people, right? Or your
1: fan, right? That's where right. overtime elite. I think nil is going to hurt them long term, and I also yeah. think like there's just no lo- like. Am I rooting no for OT? Yeah. I'm, I'm not rooting for right. anything.
0: Right, I'm not rooting for anything, and I think that is a major thing. You know, I, I'm a I'm I was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan, so I'm a big Michigan fan. You know, half my family went to Michigan, uh, and you know, my grandparents worked for U of M. And so, like, I'm a diehard, you know, Michigan guy. And, but then, you know, I, I couldn't have ever seen myself like rooting for someone else. Even like, you know, my old coach, Coach Hain, he coaches at Rutgers. He's like, well, Michigan plays Rutgers. I'm not rooting for Rutgers. I don't care about <laughs> Rutgers. I don't give a shit about Rutgers at that yep. point. Like, I can't go yep. to Michigan. But, uh, but, you know, I, I mean, it, it's, you just can't replace, you know, like, oh. Michigan football, 110,000 in a stadium. You can't replace that. Uh, And then they have an alumni association in almost every state in the country. You know, it's an alumni association all over all the major cities have them. So it's the same for all the other, you know, for the blue bloods and you know, the Dukes and the North Carolinas of the world and stuff. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's good to see. It's nice to see that, that atmosphere, like if you're a former player and that kind of like that brotherhood that, that Duke talks about, um, and just being a part of that. So I think you have to be a special player to be an overtime elite. Yep. You have to be a special player to be in that world. Um, but I think it's a very viable, great option if you are that player, your family, and your you know the powers that be in your life think that you should go that route. I think it's an awesome option. I'm glad that option is here. Yep. To, to not have that option was a travesty. Yep. To not have that option is a, is a bad thing. So I think, you know, you choose your route as long as you're listening to the right people um, and you get to that level. Again, we're talking about the 1% of the 1%. Yep. Um, you, you know, I think just having that option is amazing. I think overtime's done a good job. Um, but again, NIL is going to help. It is helping college basketball to a certain extent.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, all right, man. Well, listen, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, where where can everybody find you? Uh, social stuff and, and reach out if they're looking for training, anything like that.
0: Yeah, man. You know, my handles uh, uh, underscore get right with Mike underscore. You know my big hashtag is we worked on that. You know I I, I like that moniker. You know as soon as as soon as you hit, hit a shot or make a move or even block a shot, you know it's something that you worked on. It's uh, self empowerment. It's a. Uh, you know, you know, kind of re reemphasizes your work and reemphasizes what you do and you're doing the right thing. So um, again, get right Well oh, Mike underscore on each side and um, coach, coach, coach underscore comments on Twitter, not on Twitter as much. <laughs> Love it.
1: Love it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you again. We'll have you on again soon. You know, good luck uh, with everything you. going on this year. And uh, yeah, man, we'll talk with you soon.
0: Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you.
1: Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a of full Plus Russells up next, and I got this crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.